from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. How do we live in a culture that perceives our light as darkness? That's the question. How will you respond faithfully when faced with the transgender phenomenon, growing socialism, and false gospels? Dr. Erwin Lutzer lays out a roadmap to navigate these challenges and more in his book, the church in Babylon, heeding the call to be a light in the darkness. What are those elements that are needed for a church to actually survive in Babylon and not just survive, but also thrive in Babylon? Contact us today to receive your copy of The Church in Babylon. This book will help equip you to stand for God in a culture that rejects Him. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. One of the seeming dichotomies in Scripture revolves around the word choose. Throughout the Scriptures, we see the words choose, chose, and chosen, all in relation to the sovereign work of God in salvation. For example, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, You did not choose me, I chose you. And Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, reminded them that they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Yet we also see in Scripture the clear call for us to choose. Choose for yourselves, whether it's right to obey God or men. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose life so that you may live. Time and again, we see God figuratively drawing a line in the sand, commanding us to choose. In his message today, Dr. D. James Kennedy unfolds an epic drama of choosing, choosing between life and death. Here is his message, If the Lord be God, follow him. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the 18th chapter of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18, we shall begin our reading with the 17th verse. The drought has been hard upon the land of Samaria for three years, as Elijah said it would be, and that there would be no rain except by his word. And now, at long length, Elijah comes forth at the command of God to show himself to King Ahab in one of the most dramatic scenes of the Bible. May we hear the inspired word of God. Verse 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, 
I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. And may God speak to our hearts and minds this day through this his holy word. And may his name ever be praised. Amen. Examine all history, sacred and profane, and you will find few, if any, contests comparable to the one before us this day. Certainly nothing in the Olympics compared with it. Here was no victory wreath to be won, but it was a matter of life and death for the people involved and for the nation itself and through them the whole world as Satan makes this great attempt to destroy the faith of Israel. Moses and Elijah, the two greats of the Old Testament that appeared with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses, who led the people out from under the oppressive and destroying hand of Pharaoh. And now Elijah, who would deliver the people of Israel from those who would destroy their faith. Well, the Israelites had been successful in battle. They had, by the help of God, overcome the armies of Pharaoh. They had destroyed the armies of the Philistine, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and all of the other ites that gave them one kind of itis or another. But now the struggle is within. It is not a battle of swords and chariots and horses, but it is a battle of faith and belief. And this is the most serious battle of all. They had an ungodly king and an even more wicked queen. The nation was infested with the priests of an alien religion brought by Queen Jezebel, whose very name is synonymous with evil, from Phoenicia into Israel. The 450 priests of Baal, the god of the sun, the god of the world, the universe, of nature, and how similar this is to our time when we too are being threatened by a religion alien to that upon which this nation was founded. Our modern Baalism 
is the religion of secularism, the religion of atheism, the religion of naturalism, a religion which worships the created things of this world. Radical ecologists and environmentalists, who many of whom would have made excellent priests in the religion of Baal, are now everywhere to be found in our land. Well, this was the religion of Baalism. Baal was the god of the sun, the giver of life, the god of fire. And so this religion was threatening to crush out the religion of Jehovah, the religion that worshiped the true God. And so it was left to Elijah, who was one of the few priests of Jehovah left in the world and the only one who was willing to stand up and confront the overwhelming odds that were against him. The power of the throne, the power of the false temple of Baal, and the multitude of the people, all were against him. But Elijah was a man who was shaped for that hour. He had come to Ahab three years before, and at the bidding of God, he, would, he said, There shall be no rain in Israel except by my word for these years. And then, as suddenly as he appeared, he disappeared. And all of the king's emissaries could not discover him within the realm or without it. For he was sequestered by the river Cherith and then with the widow at Zarephath. And for three years it rained not on the land of Israel, the land of Samaria. And Ahab wanted to blame the trouble upon the believers. But Elijah will have none of this. And armed with the power of God, he says, I am not he that troubleth Israel, but ye and your father's household, because that thou hast forgotten the commandments of God. Elijah does not come to the people to present to them arguments because they know the truth, or at least enough of it to cause them to decide. They know what God has done from that, for them. They know how God delivered them with a mighty arm out of the oppression of Egypt, how he brought them through the Red Sea and the Jordan River and planted them in a promised land. They know how he has protected them from all of their adversaries. They know their history well enough. And so Elijah does not come forth with arguments or apologetics, but rather he simply calls upon them to decide. Like a sword splitting a rock, he says, Choose this day. How long will ye halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But get off the fence. Now, Elijah's message did not apply to any heathen who might have been in the midst. And it does not apply today to those who are outright rejectors of Christianity, who says, I will have no part of your God, your Christ, or your Bible. I want none of it. Be gone. I am not speaking to you. And I am not speaking as... Elijah was not to that minority who were sold out for God and Jehovah. 
but for the large majority in between, they have one foot stuck in the godless system of this world with all of its immorality and all of its deceit and all of its vainglory and all of its greed and avarice, and the other foot gingerly in the church. They are indecisive men and women. This is the great problem in the church today. It is people just can't make up their mind. My friend, are you a fence straddler? Or are you sold out for Jesus Christ? Is your prayer life a joke? Do you really study the Word of God? Are you a faithful witness for Christ? Do you serve Him in your church as you swore to do when you joined? Or are you firmly fixed on either side of the fence, mired up to your hips in the valley of indecision? What have you done for Christ this year? How much time did you spend serving Him? What jobs have you performed? What souls have you led to Christ? How much time have you spent in prayer? Alas, I feel that there are many here who are candidates for Elijah's message. And perhaps some of the saddest words ever heard are those that tell the response of the people. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people, and the people answered never a word. Words and a truth that have broken the heart of many a prophet and many a preacher down through the centuries. But Elijah determined to present a test for the prophets of Baal, a test which would result either in his life and the life of the nation or surely his destruction and the destruction of the faith of the living God. And so he called for the prophets, the priests of Baal, and all of the people of Israel to come to Mount Carmel. And there on Mount Carmel, which was the high place for the religion of Baal. Baal, the god of the sun, and he called for a test by fire. The god who answers by fire is the true god. And he gave every opportunity as the great masses of people were drawn by the summons of the king and the 450 priests of Baal with their purple robes and the blazing symbol of the sun upon them came and stood to hear the challenge, make an altar, kill the bullock, and call upon Baal, the god of fire, to answer by fire. And the god who answers by fire is the true god. How many people say, well, are not basically all religions the same? They do not realize that the basic difference between them is that Baal was a a non-entity. He did not exist. Whereas the true God of heaven and earth 
is the only God who does. And so that morning early, the priest of Baal began to cry, Oh, Baal, hear us and answer with fire. And they cried and they cried until noon. And there the sun in the blazing copper sky was beating down upon them. But there was no answer from heaven. And so they cried louder as Elijah mocked them, saying, Is he not a god? Perhaps he is talking. Cry louder. Or perhaps he has gone hunting and he's after a deer or a fox. So you must cry louder. And so they cried louder. He said, perhaps he is conversing. Perhaps he's gone on a journey. Cry louder. And so they cried louder. And then with lancets, they cut their bodies and their arms and their face until they gushed blood over the altar. And yet there was no voice from heaven. There was no fire from the sky. There was no one who heeded until at last, as the afternoon was far spent and the time of the evening sacrifice had come, the priests of Baal retreated from the conflict in utter defeat. And there was a palpable stillness that came over the people as they watched with tremendous expectation. And the wicked king Ahab was there also to see and the prophets of Baal also to see if Elijah could do any better. And so he took 12 large stones and rebuilt the altar of Jehovah. And then he put the wood upon it, and the bullock was cut and placed upon that. And then he dug a trench around the whole thing, and in order that no one could say that there was <clears throat> any kind of skullduggery involved, he ordered that there would be four barrels of water poured over the entire altar and the sacrifice. Now some will say, where did he get the four barrels of water? Well, now at the base of one side of Mount Carmel, there is the river Kishon. Perhaps that was still flowing. But if not, at the other side of Mount Carmel is the Mediterranean Sea, which was most definitely still flowing. And having dumped the four barrels of water and drenched the offering and the wood, he called for four more barrels, and they were brought and dumped, and then four more. And then, after all was covered with water, and even the trench around the altar was filled with water, Elijah stepped forward, lifted his face unto heaven, and he said, O oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, show thyself today that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant, and all this I have done at thy word. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, and out of the cloudless copper sky there came a streak of fire down from the heavens, right on the altar, consuming the bullock, consuming the wood, consuming the stones of the altar, and licking up the very water of the trench. And the people were so astonished that at last they fell upon their faces and they cried out at the top of their voices at long length. There had been wrenched from them a decision. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And the sound of their shouts rang from the mountains round about them. At long length, they had been brought to decide. Now today we are not likely to see such fire descend from heaven 
and we need it not. For that fire has already come, and God does not deign to thus demonstrate himself in every generation throughout the world. But there on another mountain covered with blood on the black hill of Calvary, the altar was prepared and the wood was set in place and the Son of God was skewered to that altar. And the fire of God's wrath for sin fell upon him who bore in his own body and soul the guilt of our sin. And the wrath of God consumed all of that guilt and all of that sin and all of that iniquity. And we need no demonstration today. We know what Christ has done. We know the price that he has paid. We know the gospel that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know the marvelous offer that eternal life is free to those who will repent of their sins and receive Christ as Lord and Savior of their hearts. And therefore, what is needed is not argumentation, but what is needed is a decision. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow him and go to hell. May we pray. Oh God, get us off of our fences. Lord, may we plant both feet in the kingdom of God and determine that heart and mind and body and soul we shall serve the King of Kings. Help us, we pray, to meet the crisis of our time, a crisis that threatens to destroy not merely our lives and bodies, but our everlasting souls. O God, help us to see the signs of the times and to rise to the great issues before us. In Christ's name, amen. Are you living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church? Perhaps it's a question you need to settle today. Do you find yourself just going through the motions as a churchgoer? There isn't a better time to make a decision to truly follow the Lord than right now. And we can do that together in prayer. I can lead us and you can tell God what's on your heart by simply praying, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for revealing yourself to me in this message today. Please forgive my sins and show me how I can live in a way pleasing to you, following you, and only you from this day forward. I place my trust in you and thank you for the gift of eternal life. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I hope you prayed that prayer, and if you did, then we would like to help you get started in your new life in Christ by sending you Beginning Again. As you read it, you'll learn how to pray, how to study God's Word, and even how to witness to others. To receive Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number, and may God richly bless you. 
In these confusing days where so-called tolerance means nobody is supposed to assert the truth, God calls us to nevertheless make a decision to boldly proclaim His name. Our cultural elites are in the midst of setting up obstacles to that. They do not want you proclaiming Christ's name and commandments when it comes to public life. But have you ever considered that it's possible, likely even, that God has put you and me here for just such a time as this? How are we called to live in a culture where we face challenges from the postmodern denial of truth to the transgender phenomenon, from socialism to false gospels? Dr. Erwin Lutzer, the pastor emeritus of the Moody Church in Chicago, has written an urgent new book, a handbook, if you will, to help you navigate our current difficult times and to do so in a way that proclaims Christ and helps transform the culture. Dr. Lutzer calls it the crowning work of his long career. It's the new book, The Church in Babylon, Heeding the Call to Be a Light in the Darkness. And we want to send it to you right away as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. This powerful, incisive book pulls it all together showing how America has become like Babylon, where the Christian faith is unwelcome and where evil is now called good and good is now called evil. But he doesn't just lament the darkness. He also shines a light, providing a roadmap for living, working, witnessing, and changing our nation. The church in Babylon contains chapters on keeping the faith in a hostile work environment, calling out the cultural lies of transgenderism, balancing compassion and security on immigration, and taking the cross into the world, among others. This book needs to be in the hands of every Christian, and we'll send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation. And if you're able to give a donation of $50 or more, we will send you the book plus an exclusive new DVD program called Shining the Light in a Dark World, featuring Dr. Erwin Lutzer discussing these compelling subjects in his articulate and winsome way. That's the book, The Church in Babylon, plus the DVD, Shining the Light in a Dark World, as our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more. And as you give, you are helping us to shine that light via the Lifetime Channel and numerous other nationwide television networks, as well as training Christian leaders, fighting back against the anti-Christian Southern Poverty Law Center in federal court, and much, much more. So please, write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339 or call toll free 888-332-3069 or 
go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.